Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Cattlecast. One of the aims of this podcast was you, the BCVA members and listeners, to get to know the board more and to understand what they do. So today we will be speaking to Elizabeth Berry, this year's BCVA president, about her previous jobs and how she got involved with BCVA and also her aims for the year ahead. So Elizabeth, over to you. I'm Elizabeth. I qualified from Liverpool. I qualified in 1986. In terms of what did I do? Well, I went into mixed practice. In that time, just about everything was either very much mixed practice with a skew either to a large or small animal. Um, and pretty much I did could do everything within mixed practice. So I did, definitely did pigs, poultry. I got across to ruminants, small animal. And I did about five years of slightly different roles in terms of mixed practice with different slants. So was that staying in one job for the five years? Oh, or God, no, no. I, so I guess my my first major job, I did a locum for six weeks where I was basically, a, even though it was a two-man practice, that was quite daunting. Um, and then I got my first proper job in Lincolnshire, which was very, very much large animal orientated. The only problem is none of the other three male partners wanted to do any small animals. So although I had no experience, I did all the small animal. There wasn't loads, thank goodness. Um, and I had a very good nurse. And then I did quite a lot of pig work, a lot of beef work. We didn't have many dairy, the usual thing of TB testing and that type of thing. Um, and then we did white meat inspection, which I had big doubts about and it was confirmed. So that was probably my reason I left that job. I had to do a lot of white meat inspections. So I used to do a four hour shift every day, apart from my half day. And if it wasn't a four hour shift, then after evening surgery, people don't realise what life was like. I would then drive about 40 minutes and do another hour to two hours in the evening and get back about between 10 and 10.30. And that was my second duty. So, um, I, and I really didn't enjoy it. Uh, I didn't feel I contributed anything. Nobody changed, nothing happened. I wrote long essays. And when my boss said to me, if you keep writing these long essays, they'll shut the place down. I think my reply was that it probably needed shutting down. So I just decided there was no point. So then I did a very um, short locum and then moved to another job where, again, very mixed, probably more um, high-powered small animal work, which was probably just, uh, luckily I'd got some, background in that and I I do love surgery and we did quite a lot of embryo transfer and we did a lot of bovine cesareans though Belgian blues it was like 1987 88 it was before really people started thinking about the welfare aspects although we were very heavily female in that practice and we all complained bitterly about the welfare aspects so it was quite interesting that even though we were hadn't actually formally come out about that we had a very nice technique we had a really good surgical technique we had very good results um uh, we used to do a lot of we were screening for bbd though it was early screening and things like that pretty much had a hundred percent success rate and they would get back in calf and that type of thing but we all complained about the welfare on the cow because it, it was uh, usually a heifer recipient um with a belgian blue um so it's it's interesting how actually things are raised and then it's more formally raised later isn't it You've considered something within your working life and then somebody higher up the political sphere picks up on it. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes a bit disheartening how, how long these things take to sort of roll through. But it's nice to see in that length of time that I think welfare is quite high on everyone's agenda now when, yeah. when you know, a lot of um, cesareans are being done. I was going to say that practice was we were quite progressive in terms of so it was 87 and we were using small animal pain relief routinely, which was probably one of those things that actually cascaded into our large animal cesarean. 
um, because we we were doing that and we were like saying, well, this should be happening in other areas. And we did start all doing it. Obviously, in terms of Cascade, um, it was very difficult. Um, but whilst they were food producing, they were bovines, they weren't going into the food chain. So we did start doing something. And that was something that we all pushed for as uh, was adamant we were going to do something. Then I went locuming uh, for uh, just over a year, different jobs, went for a locum agency. Um, and in that time frame, I actually needed an operation on my elbow, probably one of my many equine injuries. They're very accident prone, I am with those. Basically, I was supporting myself, so I needed to get a desk job. So the locum agency had a desk job with what was called Pittman Moore. Um, so I was a veterinary advisor for four months which was, again, a really first introduction. It was a brilliant opportunity. I never realised at the time into another side. Actually probably realised how much I loved knowledge and having knowing more and knowing how things were. When you leave with a degree, you've got a good knowledge, haven't you? But it's lovely to find out more. And that was that that did really inspire me in terms of that. And then literally as soon as my elbow was fine, I went back to doing mixed practice. Then I worked in the same practice as my husband. And I guess the only reason I left is that um, for a year, I'd done the opposite weekend and the opposite night to my husband on what was a two-man rotor in a four-man practice. And I could see that nobody was going to change. So I went to work for Genus because having done that period where I actually didn't do clinical work, I knew there were other opportunities. um, And it was like something needs to be done. And I was still working with farm animals, but just in a slightly different role. Then I had my daughter, that was one period that was always a challenge um and then I did a mixture of genus and I did a mixture of locums basically because I went back to genus part-time um and then I could do locums when I'd got childcare and things like that I know usually pretty much mixed practice I've probably worked for most practices well at that time in Herefordshire and a bit into Worcestershire then I got offered um within my role at genus was on mastitis consultancy but I did other things I did lab support and that type of um, more vague and obviously in genus breeding and genus management, I got offered a PhD, so bovine um, bovine mastitis at the what was the Institute for Animal Health at Compton. I started that. That was eighty miles from home, <laughs> so I used to leave really early and get back late. So I went for the interview, and then um, once they offered it to me, I told them I would only do it four days a week, <laughs> not five, because I just didn't think I could do it with a what was a, a nearly five year old. Um, and I, uh, so I did that. That was re- really good. I think as a working mother, and you'll know where I'm coming from, you are very organized. You, you know, when you're there, you're working. Um, there's no faffing around. This is like, right, I'm in, I'm doing it. I've got a million other balls up in the air and, and this has to happen now. And I think yeah, even doing a veterinary degree, you have to be pretty focused. So that was quite essential. I completed that. I did a brief bit of lecturing at Heartbreak. And then I did a job share at the Veterinary Laboratory Agency in Langford. So I job shared with another female vet. So I think we were their first job share. And then Compton offered me another job. So I went back to Compton. And I was involved in the, we had a contract research group. So they would do contract work for pharmaceutical companies and others. So anybody who wanted to look at a new product or, or a new vaccine, a new antibiotic, a new parasiticide. We had a 450 cow dairy unit. We had um, some pigs um, and we could buy in, we had outdoor pigs and then we could buy in more pigs and buy in calves. And we had a small sheep flock, but there wasn't really a lot of sheep work. Um, I guess my post-mortem skills at the VLA came into handy and all my veterinary skills in terms of the procedures and things like that. 
Um, and we worked under the Animal Scientific Procedures Act, which gives you a very different insight into, again, the whole thing about welfare, pain relief, what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable with a slightly different slant than a veterinary degree. I guess that's when I had breast cancer and I got complications. I got a really bad lymphedema. I knew right from the start when they diagnosed me, they kept going on about being bitten and scratched and kicked and things like that. And I, I guess you're on a conveyor belt of treatment and you don't really think it through till you get to the end and you do have lymphedema um, and all the complications that uh, brings along with that. And then you realize that she, you can't be as gun ho I think when you're working with animals, you have to be confident and you can't have any hesitations or concerns because they can feel it. I think that's my take. And it meant that I had to review quite what I did in terms of our practical job. I briefly worked for the NHS because I have a degree. I have a science degree. I had a PhD. I could do R&D and they always took on R&D managers. So you do quite a lot of project management. You actually had some really nice things where you would start study design. It was quite varied role, but I desperately just, it's patients. It's not animals. (laughs) It's just not quite the same thing. And then I saw that, well, somebody actually sent me the advert for with um, what was Dairyco, AHDB. So I joined them um, and I was a, an R&D manager with them. So it was a great, wide range of roles. So although we were in dairy, we interlinked with the beef and the sheep side, even along with the arable and um, just some less so with potatoes and horticulture um, and less so with probably pigs. So that was brilliant in terms of really diverse. We did a lot of project management. We had some of our own projects. And it's a great introduction to things like the grass side, which as a vet, you do do nutrition, but you don't know it in the detail that you learn to do it when you're project managing and all the different crops. Then I uh, probably came to the end of my time with them. And I joined Animax, which was a pharmaceutical company, but a very small one, very different from, say, the Cooper's Pittman Moore, who I worked for before. But again, still those different roles and it's still a degree. It's still using your veterinary knowledge. It's just applying different ways. And I've been with them since. It's very diverse. get to travel quite a lot when you haven't got COVID. It's really nice to see some of the the differences that the different roles has allowed you to bring in different skills and to work within different teams, which is really exciting how that veterinary degree can take you so many places. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really robust science degree. Um, and there's things that you do when you're doing that degree, you're like, I'm never going to use this. But all that biochemistry now, because I work for a, a pharmaceutical company, we do formulations. So I'm desperately trying to remember my chemistry and biochemistry because it comes up. But you have got that grounding and it does ring those bells and you think, oh, yeah, I do know that. Um, yeah. OK, right. I'm, I'm vaguely there. I can keep going with this. Yeah. Um, and then the great thing for, I guess, because I'm the only vet within the company is, is that whole physiology, that animal feeding, animal behavior, that type of thing. You can still apply that. It's a different role, but it's still using your degree. Yes, with the amount of jobs you've done, it shows that actually if you're not happy with the team you're working with or with the clinical work you're doing, then you shouldn't be afraid of trying something new and getting your CV out there and just doing some interviews for some different roles and seeing if it works. Absolutely, because you have got you've got a degree ultimately, and, that, and a degree is a degree, isn't it? But you've got a really, really varied degree, and even because we are omnicompetent, you take things from the small animal 
even that six weeks of that fish course or the chicken course, you know, that there are things that suddenly rings a bell and think, yeah, I do know something about that. And, and actually the medics loved it. When I worked for the NHS, you would have quite a lot of interaction with the doctors. And I was probably the only vet at that hospital, but you could talk to them about things. I'd done a cruise ship repair. So when you're doing in some of the orthopedics, you do have an idea about it. You've done those operations and it was, yeah, they were always questioning how you did this, what you did. Perhaps sometimes it shocked, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people are shocked just with the fact that we do bovine surgery just in a barn with maybe a sheet over the top. And, you know, you try and be as clean as you can, but you are in a shed. I think that shocks people. Uh, uh, Yeah, or tied up on the top of a windy hillside. (laughs) I think um, unless you are and and you've got good, really good immunology. And in terms of COVID, it's all bringing out that immunology that we did. It, It is a degree which can take you clearly in one direction, but you can go in other directions. I think that's so kind we- of teamwork. It's about if you, because the other thing is, I think if you go if you go to a job and you don't feel comfortable, then my attitude, which was awful, was always just move on. Which is probably yeah. I should have tried to change it, and I would try and change it. But if it didn't work, there's no point being unhappy. Workplace culture is really quite important, and sometimes it works or it doesn't. Um, making sure it's happy for you, I think it brings out the best in you, and then you're more willing to work harder so I think it's important for the employers to get that right as well and I think it's um one of those ones where sometimes I had quite a lot of interviews and you would go and driving back or whatever you'd be thinking about it and you were like no I'm not going to be happy there that's the odd one that I took thinking I'm not going to be happy and I was right your gut reaction is right and having that interview face to face actually in the place of work is really quite important it's hard and it's hard to get across, isn't it? When somebody's, when you speak to newly qualified people and they're going and I'm, I feel like saying, yes, you can try, but actually sometimes you just can't change it. You, and, and if you don't feel the fit, you're not happy and you're not confident. That's not even being diverse. It's a bunch as much you, isn't it? I mean, certainly there were jobs I know where I, I didn't get an interview and I know it would be because I was female, but I would as I put in that interview for veterinary women if they didn't want to even interview me then I wasn't going to be happy in that job yeah no it's a balance isn't it and for you as the person going to the interview you can be quite selective particularly now where you know vets are quite short in number you have got the option of multiple jobs and I think it's now the employer's job to try and be as open and as inclusive to as many people as you can because it is hard to get the new grads with the qualities and skills that you want. Um, so you need to be as open and as inclusive to as many different people, whether that be due to colour, um, race or sexual orientation. Absolutely. It's about fit, isn't it? And it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It's whether you fit in that organisation. And often, you know, and you can fight it, but just perhaps there's something else. And it didn't matter whether I was female or whatever. If you're not going to, if you don't feel you have that support, then I think that's as critical as anything. You have to have confidence in your employers and they have to be confident that you can interact with them and ask them those questions. So yeah, the importance of teamwork, bringing that inclusivity and diversity back, it's all about feeling part of the team and feeling valued, I guess. And knowing you can ask that stupid question and someone will realise and answer you and then not judge you on it and realise that just actually right now, you just it wasn't a stupid question. It was just it wasn't clear enough and being accepted um, and knowing you can have that support certainly my husband's still in practice and you have them ring in the evening saying I'm not quite sure this and this and this 
they're just having that moment where they've gone blank and they just want somebody to say, yeah, this is what you do and it doesn't matter and this is how you do it and give me a ring if it doesn't go and I'll be there. And that's what a new graduate often I think you need. First time isn't always easy, is it? So if you if it goes wrong, it doesn't matter, just move on, but having that support in the practice. So alongside all these busy jobs, you've also obviously been on the BCVA board now. I wondered if you'd tell us why you got involved with BCVA at the beginning and how that's grown over time. Uh, so I, I guess I first joined when I was in Genus, so as a BVA member, but I think that was almost just you got the vet record and it was sort of kept you up to date with jobs and where people were going and things like that. Um, and when I joined Genus, my then line manager, James Booth, was very big in BCVA and so as soon as I joined, uh, he had me join BCVA. I used to have two meetings a year and I remember going to the January meeting and daring to ask a question. I was probably one of two females or something like that at that time. It's 1991, 92. And um, I carried on following that. I think I briefly left when I worked for the NHS and then sort of came back. So I've always been a member of that. And then in terms of the meetings, it was a very different structure uh, certainly wasn't the terms of the internet and the website and that type of thing. You had to hard copies, but it's always been a great source of information and people have very, very helpful. It's been a very friendly organisation. And I think I always went to BCVA meetings. Yeah. And that's good to hear that we're hopefully quite friendly and approachable bunch and hopefully that's continued on. So when you first got voted onto the board, do you want to say a bit more about that, how you got involved with the board? So one of the presidents asked me to stand because I, I had initially, I think, stood once when I was in, probably doing my PhD and not being successful. And then somebody asked me to stand again, whether they thought I brought some skill set, I don't know, or just a different approach. Certainly at the time I was working under the Animal Scientific Procedures Act and you do have a different attitude to things, um, but you're still working with cows. Did the work on orbacil, to teat sealants, um, intramammaries, bovine mastitis. Coming on the board was quite daunting. <laughs> Everybody knew what they were talking about. It's, it's something that you haven't seen before. The council meetings are big. There's, uh, you've got that practice behind you, but it's, again, it's the formalities of the structures and what you do. And yeah, quite a lot to learn. It's definitely that, that first meeting is quite daunting, but um, I think it's definitely improved. And with multiple things like the cattle quarterly with the yeah. podcast, hopefully getting out to our members what we're like behind the scenes and hopefully what we do on board a bit more which is part of the reason of doing this podcast today is to try and see where we're going for the next year and try and get our members to see what we're doing and for them to get involved too so on yeah. to now you being the president uh, what are your aims for the next year so for a start, I think the educational aspect of BCVA has always been really strong. When we had those two meetings a year, it's great in terms of the varied programme and getting that. And I want to continue that educational aspect. We've got great ways of doing it now. We can do it virtually. We can do it face to face. We have courses being run more often, whereas before... I think the structure has really come out and it's very strong in terms of which bits you can dip in and out to. Um, the podcasts, the webinars, I think we've got so many offerings. We've got a fantastic team for those that are IT incompetent at the office and help them. I was yeah. there one afternoon and um, it was, there were a lot of people ringing up asking for their password and how they reset it and how did they do this. So I think that's something to really push. We've got a fantastic office team who will help you through with 
any of your queries and you won't be the first one that's asked it which is reassuring isn't it if you're not uh, if you're oh what do I do now how do I get there what how, what do I do um the website as well so I think that's really 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 good moves I know with a lot of the initiatives I was saying earlier about the animal health pathway if you look at what they're going to require in terms of those visits and it might be that you're not in a really strong dairy area or a beef area but you're a mixed practice vet we, we will have the information the modules the learning techniques and the learning methods and work that you can do to help with that we've got some really good ones in terms of the module of bvd yones and uh, quarter pro and all of that so it's just yeah i think we've got some great offerings for mixed practice vets who may wonder how they're going to approach them and what to use no, the, the pathway is quite a daunting thing. Time seems to be flying by, but it's still quite in the air what's actually included in those. So having that knowledge that there's a lot of resources on our BCBA website is really useful. And, and if you can't find them, you can ask the office. And then we've also got, like, if you join as a member, you get updates every week about what's happening, where to go, reminders. As I say, it should, anything you need should be there. Having tried to learn what quite the pathway will involved then I think we've got a lot of the tools and the information for people. That's good because I think a lot of people link BCVA with the Congress which of course is quite an important part and we've all loved that the last one in um, in the Celtic Manor was face-to-face which is great but I think our range of educational offerings whether that be online whether that be CPD sort of smaller group courses um, mm. is quite varied. And I think um because we're so open to member suggestions, we can be more flexible about how we approach it. It may be that we have to put something specific on for the animal health pathway, but until we have more detail, I think, or I'm confident, we've got some of the tools that people will need and some of that information. No, that's great. So education's an important thing for the next year in your I life. I love knowledge, right yeah. <laughs> So I put forward team working and I think just from the way I've talked about my career, I've worked in loads of different teams. But if you are in a team, you always learn from others and you can learn better ways how to do it. You can ask questions. And I think generally being a diverse team brings so many more different skill sets. Somebody will have done it something different or can say where to go. I think as as all of my jobs, I found teamwork crucial, be it in practice, pharmaceutical company, um, doing my PhD, uh, all of that, yeah. So it's nice that, yeah, diversity and inclusivity is an important one, as is communications, I guess, because that is always one of our, unfortunately, weaknesses, is how we communicate with each other, particularly in these COVID times, again, where face-to-face communication is sometimes more difficult. I think everybody's become very competent now on Zoom and Teams meetings. It's uh, something that perhaps has been an accelerated learning, definitely. I think if we'd carried on where we were, we'd have all stuck with our face to face. But we now know we can do these things differently. Um, and you can do them blended, can't you? Somebody can be face to face and somebody can join over the Internet. It's, it's really accessible. And that's helped in terms of some of our master classes, hasn't it? We've been able to get speakers that couldn't fly. And we had virtual speakers at the Congress as well, didn't we? So, again, that teamwork, if you can't do it, your child can do it. That's a definite. <laughs> if you amazing. haven't got a child, ask the office. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how quickly the the technology you soon get to understand what sharing the screen is and where the buttons are and and how these things work. Yeah, yeah, just doing this wouldn't have been something we probably did 18 months ago, would it? Yeah, 
yeah and no, hopefully yeah it was difficult at the beginning but we can hopefully take some positives forward um, and hopefully get a mix of face-to-face as well as more virtual things. And in terms of that then I think maybe we can look at uh, some of our training that if you are in the remote Hebrides of Scotland or somewhere else then we can offer that blended learning you, you may be the only one online but and the others may be in the room but we can look at that um, when you talk about teamwork often you think about the practice team but it's actually that farm team as well isn't it within every aspect of your life there are different teams as a mother there's the school gate team there's your childcare team but within your day-to-day life on a farm, there are those farm teams and there's one certainly where you don't perhaps get on as well. And there's others which are just brilliant, aren't they? They are like your best friend and they're really supportive. And I think otherwise it can be a lonely life. I think we are in a nice position in that you are in the centre of quite a lot of people's lives. But I think that can be quite a mental challenge if a lot of people are pulling you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think I'm probably alone. Sometimes you just get that overwhelmed feeling, don't you? Like, no, it's ball has landed or should I check back up in the air or haven't actually got anywhere with it it's it's just to remember you're not the only one like that it's hard sometimes especially when you can get really turning on yourself and it can seem really really lonely but alone yeah no the art of jiggling whether it's juggling or spinning lots of plates is a difficult one but I think a lot that most people are in the position with particularly within the vet world and when you're farm vets would say I'm mainly from a dairy background you know we might have eight or ten sessions and trying to still be one-on-one so that farmer thinks all you think about is their farm but actually you need to do that to the other nine farms as well can be quite quite difficult yeah and even the the economics now and it's all it's all pressure isn't it it's another factor that actually when you're there you have to be you're providing a paid service and that can be something else that can be another overwhelming factor in the back And I think one of the really important things with farm work is that uh, relationship. And, you know, at the end of the TB test or whatever, you go in for lunch or go in for your cup of tea, which I think is what really can really bond clients. But of course, with COVID over the last 18 months, that's been a really difficult one to get around. Yeah, because often they are really good relationships with your farmers. um, And then you can't do that. And there's things that come up in that chat that you may not be doing when you're doing a TB test or feeding the cows or that type of thing but it comes up as another one as you say with that cup of tea at the end of her visit I think we've come off better than some other parts of our profession certainly but it's still been a strain on relationships the importance of teamwork is really important oh yeah and even within a farm you've got like the owner but you've got the workman you've got different teams there haven't you yeah um and then it brings us on to the membership Um, And hopefully what we as BCVA can offer new members or current members. If you've got any um, thoughts over the next year, how we're going to improve that? Our membership's been static for a few years, hasn't it? And it would be nice to increase that. I think we've got some excellent tools. We've got a, a great committee structure in terms of feeding back, in terms of what people might want out of it. We've got excellent office staff. Can't compliment them enough in terms of the support they'll offer to, to new members. And we've got some really good learning materials. And as I say, with things like the Animal Health Pathway, I think we can fit with that really well. If you're not doing a lot of cattle work, 
but you want some structure behind how you approach those visits, material you can use, I think we've got it and we can adapt and move forward if we haven't or if we need it tailoring differently. I'm really passionate. I want all of my husband's practice to be members. Um, So I think it's just a no-brainer, isn't it, for things like the animal health pathway. So farmers in the next 12 to 18 months, I think, are in our point of change with their single farm payments coming off and changing to more environmental schemes. I think the vet will be really important point of contact for that independent sort of different angle with our science background. And I think the BCVA range of courses can really offer that. Absolutely. Um, And having been secretary within BCVA, the other thing is if you have a question that you can't find or it's not covered within our current learning, then ask that question because within BCVA Council, we've got a wealth of experience that we can look at either just answering that specific question or creating new learning material for you in the appropriate form. And I also wanted to stress, because we have an office with real people in there, it's not a computer that comes back to you. You can ring up and get that advice about what you are doing right or wrong and go forward. No, I think just hopefully we are a lot more approachable um, than, than previously. And if there is any courses people want or think aren't clear enough or want it more online or really think that they're face-to-face or at least um, sort of live, whether they do have to be on Zoom, we want to offer what, what members want. Yeah. And and come back with those comments. We always take on board feedback and things like that in terms of what we didn't cover rightly, what we could have done differently. OK, so that's great for the, the year ahead and your big plans for that. So that's really exciting. And hopefully we can get some more members and using our great um, education courses that are already on offer. So go and have a look at our website and let us know what your thoughts are. Thank you for listening to today's Cattlecast. In case you didn't get the message during the listen, please do contact us if you have any ideas or comments, whether that be about the podcasts or BCVA more widely. As Elizabeth said, some of her aims of the year were to include teamwork and communication, so hope to see some more of these titles coming up soon. But if you missed it, there was a recent one with Fiona McGilfrey on the importance of non-verbal communication that might be worth a listen. We'll wait to see the new podcast coming up soon. Thank you.